to Faith Talk with Anita. Thank you for joining me on the journey. I want to start this Faith Talk by singing a little song. You probably know it. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Most of us learned that song, or at least that message, as children. It was one of the first things we learned on our faith journey. Jesus loves me. That's where it all began. And today, I am reminding all of us that it's still true, despite any doubts we may have. Somewhere over our lifetime, many of us lose that all-loving notion of Jesus. As children, we were convinced that Jesus loved us, no matter what, and nothing could convince us otherwise. Yep, we could sing that song with heartfelt conviction. But as we grew older and experienced more of life, many of us lost that intimate, loving connection with Jesus. It's much easier for us as adults to think of ourselves as flawed, and we question how Jesus could possibly love us as we are considering all the things we've done and said, all the sins we've committed, all the hurt we've caused. We think Jesus could only love us if we change or do enough penance or somehow make up for all our failings. We have the idea that we need to earn his love back in some way. Isn't that sad? Wouldn't it be great if we could get back to our childlike mindset and simply know that he loves us no matter what? That's my intention with this faith talk. I hope you will join me in getting back to our faith roots so we can confidently sing this song again and believe it with all our hearts. First of all, let's just accept the fact that we will never be perfect. And God knows that. God created us. Our imperfections and sins do not change God's love for us in any way whatsoever. Our perfection is not a prerequisite for God's love. Now, let's all take a big sigh of relief on that note before we go any further. <sighs> In Luke chapter 5, Jesus was asked why he ate and drank with sinners, and he replied, Those who are healthy do not need a physician, but the sick do. I have not come to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. 
Jesus came for us, all of us, knowing we are sinners. That fact did not surprise him when he arrived. He wasn't shocked by our flaws and failings. On the contrary, he came to be with us because of our failings. Look, we're all sinners. There's no way around that. It's in our nature. But Jesus came to be with us and show us God's abundant love despite our imperfections, flaws, and sins. Jesus spent most of his time with some of the biggest sinners in town. Why? Because he loved them and they needed him. And in every case, he forgave their sins. He did not hold a grudge or put any condition on forgiveness. No, he gave it freely. In Luke chapter 7, we are told of an interaction Jesus had with a sinful woman. Jesus was dining at the home of a Pharisee, and somehow this sinful woman found her way into the house. She knelt at Jesus' feet, began to bathe his feet with her tears, wipe them with her hair, kiss them, and anoint them with oil. The Pharisee was infuriated at this, saying that Jesus must not have known what sort of woman this was, or he surely never would have allowed her to touch him. But Jesus appreciated this woman's loving actions and offered this explanation. Two people were in debt to a certain creditor. One owed 500 days wages and the other owed 50. Since they were unable to repay the debt, he forgave it for both. Which of them will love him more? The Pharisee replied, The one, I suppose, whose larger debt was forgiven. He said to him, You have judged rightly. So I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. In the midst of all those righteous men who thought they were above sin, this woman recognized her sinfulness and humbled herself. And she was rewarded with Jesus' unconditional forgiveness and love, which allowed her to love greatly. In this story of the sinful woman, Jesus gives us the example of the creditor forgiving small and large debts equally. Indeed, God's forgiveness is offered to everyone equally. Those of us who have sinned greatly, as well as those of us who might seem to be close to perfect. Imagine a Mother Teresa or a St. Francis. I would say, and I think most people would agree with me, there is a difference between sins 
Some sins are greater than others. But as for the sinners, we're all rowing the same boat, so to speak. All of us, equally sinners and equally loved by God. The lesson is this. No person is too sinful for God and no sin so great that God can't and won't forgive. God has no forgiveness boundary line. In Luke chapter 18, we find Jesus's parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. He said, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. We see in this story that it is the person who acknowledges his sin and humbles himself before God, like the sinful woman, that Jesus shows the greatest respect for. Jesus knows we're all sinners, but that's precisely what draws him to us. Our responsibility is to see ourselves as we are imperfect humans who rely on God for our lives, both in this world and the next. We must simply take that first step, and God takes it from there. God created an imperfect and flawed world, but God's forgiveness, love, and mercy are what carry us out of the darkness and into the light of life. This is what Jesus' teachings were all about. He was here to show us God's infinite love, greater and more powerful than any sin we might commit. Jesus does not condone sin and his forgiveness does not deny or eliminate our sins. On the contrary, he acknowledges, names, and exposes them, and then lets them go. And that's where the healing starts. His forgiveness frees us to move on in our lives, to move closer to the divine and the eternal. Let's look at just a few more scriptural accounts that shed light on this. 
In Luke chapter 19, we read of Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, which tells us he was a greedy and dishonest man, known by the people in town as one of the greatest sinners around. He was also a man of short stature. So when Jesus came to town, Zacchaeus had to climb a tree to get a look at him. Jesus looked up and called to him, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. The people around him were outraged and began to grumble because Jesus had gone to stay at the house of a sinner. But this encounter with Jesus brought about a great change in Zacchaeus, and he promised to make amends to anyone who he had cheated. Jesus replied, Today salvation has come to this house, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. Zacchaeus was a sinful man, lost in his greed. But because he was willing to acknowledge his sins and humble himself before God, he was changed. In chapter 4 of John's Gospel, we read of Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well. We remember from the story of the Good Samaritan that Samaritans and Jews were enemies. They didn't typically spend time together or interact with one another. But Jesus didn't hold to human prejudice. We are told this woman came to draw water from the well at noon. Most of the women would have gone to the well in the morning before it got hot. But this woman had to go in the heat of the day. From this, we can gather that she was known to be a sinful woman and had been shunned by her community. Jesus struck up a conversation with her. Now, this too would have been against human custom because women didn't speak to men outside their family. Surely, a Samaritan woman would never speak to a strange Jewish man in public. But Jesus had a long conversation with her, during which she began to believe him to be the Messiah. According to John, many of the Samaritans of that town began to believe in him because of the word of the woman. Jesus showed this sinful woman respect and honor, unlike the way her community treated her. And the love and forgiveness he showed her brought about a great change in her and many people in her community as well. Finally, in John chapter 8, we read the story of the woman caught in adultery. Adultery was considered one of the greatest sins in that society. It was a capital offense for women. This woman could have been stoned to death for her sins. But when the Pharisees brought the woman out in public to be stoned, they asked Jesus 
what should be done to her. And he replied with his famous words, Let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. At this, all the people dispersed, and Jesus spoke to the woman. Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She replied, No one, sir. Then Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Jesus knew she was a sinner, but he did not hold her sins over her head and condemn her. He forgave her and showed her great love and mercy. And I can only imagine that this woman was never the same again. This would have been a life-changing experience for her. Love and forgiveness tend to do that for us. Jesus doesn't love us because we change. On the contrary, we change because Jesus loves us. The problem comes when we don't believe we are lovable or worthy of his mercy. But Jesus assures us we are, all of us. We are meant to see ourselves in this woman, sinful and in need of God's love and mercy. We are this woman. We must remember that when we sin, and we all do, Jesus comes to us and says to us, I do not condemn you. Your sins are forgiven. Go on your way and do your best to love God and others. My friends, that's the good news. Jesus was never upset with sinners who acknowledged their sins and repented. No, he was only frustrated and upset with people who denied their sinfulness and saw themselves as righteous and above sin. So let's acknowledge our sins. Name ourselves for what we are, sinners, and humbly turn to God for God's forgiveness, love, and mercy. It is always there for us, and it will change our lives. Say this with me. I am a sinner, and God loves 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 me. Now, take a very deep breath and let God's forgiveness sink into your very being. Accept it and feel it to your core. Let go of all the baggage you've been holding on to. 
allow yourself to be loved by God. It's all you need. And it is the only thing that can bring about real, positive change in your life. Now, let's sing our song again with conviction this time. I'll sing it through twice. Please join me as you are able. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. One more time. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. I hope this has been helpful for you. Please share this faith talk with others and join me for my next faith talk. Until then, know that I am praying for you. May God bless you.